1107. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. A very uh, a difficult story uh, to bring to the table. <laughs> even, even Brian isn't sure how to do this. This is just... A, well, it was just a... I don't know how to describe why... Why are we even doing this, Brian? I don't I'm know. I'm not sure. A guy I, in Toronto is in prison for tricking men. Um... Apparently, uh, he told these guys that he was a girl and then um, offered them pleasure, um, apparently from behind a wall. I, 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 <laughs> see, I don't know. I don't know. See, there's a... a, a I don't, I'm not sure. Yeah, how, I mean... Yeah, it's just the stupidity of this guy uh, trying to convince these, uh, these men that he's a woman... On two separate occasions in 2020, he tricked two men into believing that they were talking to a woman online, then invited them uh, over to his home uh, for anonymous um, pleasure. Uh, apparently, there was a sheet hanging that kept him from being seen. <laughs> the ruse came to an end when the second man pulled the sheet down to find a guy on the other side. Uh, and uh, and he uh, he's in trouble. He is. Uh, 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 he, they charge him with two counts of sexual assault, and that's the part that I didn't quite get. Was it sexual assault? Well, the guy that uh, came there did so willingly, didn't he? Yeah, uh, they wanted. Um, I'm going to move on. It, yeah. it just, does, just doesn't yeah. strike me as sexual assault. But I guess it, that was... it kind of demonstrates the uh, the stupid world we live in <laughs> and the stupid people that do stupid things. That's like, wow, man, really? You, you, okay. I, yeah, I see these stories sometimes and it's like, wow, I can't believe that they actually fell for that or did that. Doesn't make sense to me. Well... It, it it just didn't strike me as a sexual assault. That's all. Um, let me go to... Uh, I haven't been checking the GaryNolan.com. Good morning. Re-cobalt recycling. It sounds to me like this is tailor-made economic boon uh, for the state of Missouri. All we need to do is embrace the large hog feeding operations. Instead of vilifying them with all that pig urine, we could become the cobalt recycling capital of the world. Uh, Mark, looking ahead. Uh, let's see. Uh, what's more hilarious than us uh, paying for these days off, talking about federal employees, uh, when the governor gives pay raises for living wages, when is the government's uh, fault for the increase in the first... Yeah, I, I think I sort of pointed that out, that the government causes the inflation that requires the pay increases, and then, and then they get pay increases which we eat up with inflation. Oh, what a strange world we live in. A Harvard professor is in trouble. He says all hell broke loose. Uh, he was forced to get armed security just to go to the grocery store because of the study that he released. Uh, Brian, did you run uh, Kevin's uh, commentary uh, I did not. No. Maybe you should ask him what what he intends to say because it's. <laughs> well, I have a button in place in case. Uh, yeah, yeah. I know. guess we could work that out, but I I hate to to do that. All right, I'll just take it cold. Kevin, good morning. How are you doing? 
Hey, I, I just find it kind of comical that in all these times when we can't decide what a woman is, we sure as hell know what one isn't. You know, that is a brilliant observation. What if that guy identified as a woman? Well, he's, there seems to be a dispute there. He's got he's got a built-in defense. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Kevin, thank yeah. you. Take care. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. You know, I didn't think of that until yeah, Kevin called. I didn't either. He, he had a built-in defense. He he identifies as a woman, and in Canada, that should that should do the trick. Yeah. Wow. Sadly, I I didn't think of that first. Oh <laughs> uh, well. All right. Um, a professor got in trouble. He released a study, and he said all hell broke loose. He was forced to go out in public with armed security after he published a study about law enforcement. Yeah, uh, apparently what he did is uh, he investigated and discovered no evidence of racial bias in police shootings. Jeez, no wonder he's in trouble, huh? Um, he had a conversation uh, with a reporter from the Free Press. He's a Harvard economics professor, and he talked about the fallout. The study he, uh, he, he published was in 2016. Uh, the study found police were more than twice as likely to manhandle, beat, or use some other kind of non-fatal force against blacks and Hispanics than against white people uh, or people of other races. However, the data also determined that officers were 23.8% less likely to shoot at blacks and 8.5% less likely to shoot at Hispanics than they were to shoot at whites. Brian, I'm feeling a bit vulnerable. I know, me too. When Fryer claimed the data showed no racial difference in officer-involved shootings, all hell broke loose. His life was upended. Uh, by the way, he's black. Not that it should make any difference. But he got the first of many complaints and threats four minutes, four minutes after the publication. You're full of, in a word that rhymes with spit, the sender said. Fryer said people quickly lost their minds. Some of his colleagues refused to believe the results after months of asking him, not to print the data. He said, I had colleagues take me to the side and tell me, don't publish this, you'll ruin your career. The world-renowned economist knew from comments by faculty that he was likely to garner backlash. Fryer admitted that he anticipated the results of the study would be different and would confirm a suspicions of racial bias against minorities when the results found no racial bias he hired eight new assistants and redid the study the data came back the same after the report was published he lived under police protection for over a month he had a seven day old daughter at the time and went shopping for diapers he was going to the grocery store to get diapers and he had an armed guard it was crazy it was, he said, truly crazy. He became the youngest tenured black professor at Harvard at age 30. He was suspended for two years from the university in 2019 
after he allegedly engaged in what uh, they're calling unwelcome conduct of a sexual nature. He continues to deny the allegation. At the time, by the way, Harvard's uh, dean, uh, Claudine Gay, you remember her, don't you? Uh, she claimed Fryer's research and conduct with other employees exhibited a pattern of behavior that failed to meet the expectations within the community. What community? And if anybody failed, I would argue it was Claudine Gay. But all he had to do was tell the truth, and he became enemy number one. Now, I have a question, because I always see these reports about the Columbia Police Department, and I've been defending them forever, because I don't, you know, I, I know a lot of the police officers, not a whole lot, but I know some. And I was raised around law enforcement, and I never noticed any racism on their part. And I think these, you know, these liberals... They're looking for an excuse for why uh, so many blacks get in trouble with the law. And they're, instead of blaming them for their behavior, they're blaming the police. And then from the George Floyd story and all these other stories, we keep, we, we keep getting this, this uh, nonsense that the police are racist. And they make it sound like the police are going out and shooting up black people just because of the color of their skin. Well, it's not true. We'll talk about this more on the other side. We've got to take a quick break, and then we'll come back. It's the Gary Nolan Show. It's the Zimmer Radio Network. So it's 11.20, and uh, we tell you the story about this Harvard professor who released this study uh, and double-checked it. I mean, he brought in a whole bunch of extra people to double-check it. The study says there's no evidence of racial bias in police shootings. And it points out that officers are 23.8% less likely to shoot at blacks, 8.5% less likely to shoot at Hispanics than they were to shoot at whites. So why do we keep hearing this from the black community and from progressives about law enforcement being biased? Why do we keep hearing these stories? There, There's a... Um, a study that came out, I think they do this every year to the Columbia police. They look at how many times the police stop black, uh, black uh, uh, drivers and try to say it's a sign of racism. And it's to the point now where I think the city has decided not to stop anybody who's driving badly. Got a, a, you got a license plate that's expired or no tag on your car? <laughs> Don't worry about a thing. Uh, we're not going to stop you. Because that's the only way, I think, for them to not be looked upon as racist. Now, am I suggesting that blacks are, or Hispanics are, worse drivers? Well, in a way, I am. In a way, I am. I I think the problem is that we have raised generations of minorities to think the world's against them, laws are written to hurt them, and that they might as well just ignore them, and I think they do. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, maybe you've got a better explanation for it. But I, I can't think of any other reason. Why would, why would the black community want police 
to ignore black crime. I, I don't understand why they would want that. I don't, I don't understand why that would be a good thing. Why are they blaming the police when they're just doing their job? I've been stopped by the police. I, I got, the last time I got stopped, I was right out here on 63. They didn't know what color of skin I had. The windows on my car are tinted. Can't really tell till you get right up on top of me. And I don't think it was racist on their part. I think they were doing their job. So why ignore that? You know, they've done this in schools, too. Do you remember, Brian, uh, was it Florida that started doing this? Where they would uh, not punish kids for misbehaving? I think I do recall that, yes. Because too many black kids were getting in trouble. There's no, there's no reason for anybody of any particular race to be in trouble more than any other. Not, not based on their race. It's based on how we treat them. That's, you know, if we convince them that they're victims because they're a minority, if we, if we tell them that not only is society, but government and law enforcement are against them because of the color of their skin, they'll begin to resent law enforcement. They won't respect it, and they won't respect the law. I think that's where we're at here. And when somebody, you know, and, and, and I see this based on this study, the police are going out of their way to not uh, respond the way they would in other cases, and it's endangering them. It endangers them. If, 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 and, and this is why I would not want to be in law enforcement today. If I stop somebody and have to make a split-second decision that might cost me my life, and I have to think, wow, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't do this because of the color of someone's skin. That's, in, that's, that's putting me in, in trouble. That's putting me in the, in, in the uh, position of maybe getting killed because some progressives don't want to admit that everything they've done to the black community has hurt them. I feel sorry for this professor. He, he produced an honest report, and he's been eviscerated for it. I would not want to be a cop. I would not want to be in law enforcement. I respect anybody who takes on that challenge. Jack is on the line. Good morning. Yes, Jerry. Let's get back to what we have on traffic enforcement. I've had two accidents in the last year and a half pretty damaging to my vehicle. Both of them were committed by black drivers, and on one occasion, the driver had a suspended license and was driving, and also the registration on the vehicle was expired six months prior. So, if you take it just a habit-wise, because years ago, when I was trying to cop for the state patrol as an officer, one thing they was teaching you was observation. So I just kind of kept that. 
And if you take a walk up and down, say, Hy-Vee's parking lot or Walmart's parking lot, and just do a count yourself and look at plates. I picked up the best one yesterday at Walmart. This guy had a car had a plate on it that was expired in 2022 in March. So tell <laughs> me how you could drive that long and not get stopped. And yeah, coming up on this, two years. When I say this, Gary, where you get the minor job crimes like expired plates, driving recklessly, and being overlooked, that leads to other crimes. Because once you get away with some things, then you start going a little bit more. Isn't that the broken window theory from uh, 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 New York City when the chief of police uh, and, and the mayor... Um, said, you know, if you you ignore the little things, the broken windows, then things get bigger and bigger? That's correct. That was Rudy Giuliani. Yep. But I go around there, and I think if you've got a police presence that we don't have in the city because of a shortage of officers, you have to have a police presence. I'm from St. Louis, and I dare to say it's been... 30 years since I left there, but right now I wouldn't even know the city because now it's ranked up in the top five in murders in law enforcement. But that's all broke down to lack of enforcement, shortage of officers and prosecuting attorneys who will walk. So that's where we are at today. And I'm out on the street as much as anybody. I live over here on Gary Lane, and I'm Grace Lane, and I know you know heard of that street. Yeah, Jack, I gotta go. Be careful. Okay. Uh, you're you're right. Um, you, you can't have prosecutors turning the bad guys loose. You can't tell the police to ignore broken laws, uh, and and expect to have a different result or a, a better result uh, be the result, uh, be the outcome of that. Uh, let's see here. All right. Um, all right, I, I'm, I'm just reading a, a message from uh, Facebook here. Uh, 874-9390-800-529-5572. Uh, I don't know why the left don't want police to enforce the law, why they vilify the police when they do, but it's the result of this is going to be just more violence and more blacks being hurt. Uh, Chris, uh, the Harvard police study uh, sounds like an honest researcher. Story reminds me of John Lott trying to prove that guns are the problem. Yeah. Uh, For those of you who don't know, John Lott, uh, more guns, less crime. He's the uh, Second Amendment sport. He shows up on our uh, uh, gun show periodically on Saturday mornings. He started his book and research to prove that gun control could save lives. He was on the other team. But after he did the research, he realized he was wrong. And then he wrote his his book, More Guns, Less Crime, and, oh, man, did the left vilify him. They are still vilifying him. But that's what an honest researcher does. They, They look at the research and they come to a conclusion, and they're not afraid to share it. All right, quick break. It's the Gary Nolan Show. It's the Zimmer Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show. 
1135, um, I got to defend the governor and his use of the the word thug. Oh, Lord. Um, The governor referring to these people who did the shooting in Kansas City referred to them as thugs, and that got him in trouble? Yeah, Mayor Lucas in Kansas City didn't appreciate the... uh the verbiage, apparently. It's racist, huh? Well, pretty much. He said, and I'll just quote here, I have respect for the governor. We get along well. I disagree strongly with how he would describe that situation. I certainly do think this was criminal activity. It was lawlessness, and I think that that's troubling. But thugs is a dog whistle in the most classic sense. Democrat uh, named uh, Stephanie Rawlings Blake. Uh, she was a mayor, <clears throat> uh, I think, in Baltimore at the time, referring uh, to the problems going on up there. Thugs who only want to incite violence, she said. Governor Larry Hogan, uh, our city of Baltimore, to be taken over by thugs. President Barack Obama said, uh, quote, and thugs who tore up the place. <laughs> So, black and white, Democrat and Republican, uh, the word thugs is being used to describe people who, you know, kill and tear the place up. Thugs, the word chosen by President Obama, Maryland's governor, Baltimore's mayor, and others to describe those who looted and burned stores in Baltimore and in some cases were later retracted with an apology. So why is Thug so charged? Uh, John McWhorter uh, was on the program. Uh, this is a PBS show. And he is uh, Columbia University. He's a linguistics professor. And he said that the word, uh, you know, described by, de- defined by Merriam-Webster... Uh, And it describes uh, a brutal ruffian or assassin. And the the origins of the word thug come from India. Did you know that, Brian? I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, It's a word for roughly uh, just that. Um, An assassin uh, or or, uh, somebody who's, you know, brutal. Because the British ran India for a good long time, the word jumped from the rails, uh, uh, from the Indian languages uh, to English. And that's the reason that we in America have used the word for a very long time. And until recently, it did mean what you might call a ruffian. But things have changed. The truth is that thug today is a nominally polite way of using the N-word. In fact, when the host of this PBS program started talking about this, she said a certain five-letter word has been used repeatedly over the last five days. She couldn't even bring herself to say thugs. I'm kind of confused, though, because as far as I know, no race has been mentioned to the shooters in Kansas City. Ha- has it? Have well, I actually, it? it turns out they are minorities. Okay. Uh, well, I didn't even know that. You didn't know that? No. I mean, I've seen videos, but I didn't know if the videos of the police that were making arrests during the day of the Super Bowl were the actual ones that committed the crime. I think and Ann Coulter I, figured it out. Ann did. 
Yeah. I mean, we don't know who did this shooting, by the way, the, the, the Super Bowl shooting. We have some idea. What? If it were a white man shooting, we'd know. Well, we don't know. But they, I mean, they That's how we know it's not a white man, I can tell you that much. Do you think they were, they were refreshing that reporting? They wouldn't tell us about the um, transgender woman that shot up the Christian school for what, like a year? Um, oh, San Bernardino out here. Remember the crazy terrorist Muslims? Uh, that's when I first noticed, hmm, they're not telling us who it is. I, it's not a white male. The longer they go without telling you, it's not a white male. Okay, Wait. well, we don't, we, for this one, for right now, as of Friday night, February 16th, we, know. we, don't, we don't officially know. Okay, you know, you have special powers. Um, <laughs> well, Ann Colder's right. Um, so I guess, Brian, what the governor should have said was, why, they're just ruffians. <laughs> ruffians. Ruffians, yeah, see, they're just ruffians. Because if he says thug, apparently... I see, okay. Uh, now, I don't know how that... Because I never thought of thug as a racial comment. I always thought of a thug as just a, a response to the behavior. Can I make a statement? I don't care what color your skin is. If you do something like you did in Kansas City, you are a thug. Period. No, you're a ruffian, Brian. Oh, oh okay. you ruffian, you. I mean, that's how stupid is this? Who, who decided that this is going to replace the N-word, as they say? By the way, um, I, would, I would just go right on out and say it. Because that's what these people... Because the moment I say the N-word, that's what you think. But I've been asked by um, some, some in the power to be that, that I not use that word. I, I used to. If, if, if a black person... Um, or anybody else, especially on the left, said it, I would repeat it the way they said it. But I've been, you know, that no, we don't do that now. Now we call it the N-word. And the minute I say N-word, you say the word in your mind. How stupid is this? So now we're redefining. It won't be too terribly long. I promise you, you won't be able to say the N-word. They'll have to come up with some other way to describe the word that they're trying not to describe with the N-word. So, you know, it'll be, you can't say that word uh, because the N, uh, that's the way they work. It, it's so stupid. Scotty is on the line. Good morning, Scotty. Hey, how you guys doing this morning? Doing well, thank you. Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you working? Yeah. It's a federal yeah. holiday. Uh, yeah, well, you know, my line of business, there's not a whole lot of time to take off for all them special holidays. Uh, it's too bad you don't work for the federal government. That's all I can say. Go ahead. Well, What's I'm, going to, I'm going out to California later and apply for a paper carrier's job out there. I heard you're paying 50 bucks an hour. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, you, talk about, you talk about folks. You know, that's an acronym, right? Oh. Yeah, temporarily housed under government supervision. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I had not heard that before, no. Thought I'd throw that out there. And a while back, you guys were talking about the origin of the middle finger, flipping somebody the bird. I don't remember talking about that. Well, it might have been October. Uh, I don't know. But to give you a little piece of history and, you know, validate this, look it up. 
back in the day when we still was using trebuchets and catapults and arrows and swords, when the opposing army was captured, they would take the archers and they would cut their middle finger off. That way they can't hold an arrow on the knock. Okay? Mm-hmm. And part of the way that the Scotch retaliated against the English was when they'd walk by, they'd flip them off, and basically what that was was showing them, ha-ha, I've still got my middle finger, I'm still, <laughs> I can still fight. Look, look that up. It's, it's, it's bona fide, but I, I, could, I thought it was you guys that had been talking about that. And I, now I'm all shook up. I'm going to have to run past Oh, here we go. Something to make. Come yeah. on. Vapor. Oh, jeez. What are you guys playing this stuff out? Where'd that come from? How does this happen? Yeah. That's really neat. Hey, Brian, you got a little feedback. It sounds like Nolan's in there somewhere. I couldn't hear that. Yeah, I know. He talks a lot, doesn't he? Could you, drop yeah, you off, could you drop off a bottle of creme brulee uh, uh, for me uh, at the uh, station? A little creme brulee? Yeah, the... No, the Hey, the morning crews do we kind of look out for. You know, Hannah, she forgets energy drinks and donuts and things like that. So maybe one of these days we'll swing by and drop something off for you. Well, there's this uh, Coastal Clouds, and they make this caramel brulee. <laughs> and Brian keeps using mine. Yeah, it's empty now, so yeah. we need some more. Well, well, you got to realize you got to realize that Brian's tighter than bark on a stump, and a penny saved <laughs> is a penny earned. <laughs> you guys have a great. You all have a good day. Tell all right, Scotty, take care. Please glad please. glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Uh, do you guys coordinate this, or do you? As soon as Scotty calls, you know to play that sound effect. Yeah, I've got a soundboard here, and it's got all my sound that I plan to play during the day or week, and occasionally if he mentions vaping, Como vapor. You see that thing fires automatically. It's kind of the AI that we just installed here. I've got a different uh, um, term for AI that yeah. That really is appropriate for you, but uh, as usual, I'll uh, avoid saying it on the air. we got to take a quick break. We're coming back to wrap it up. It's the Gary Nolan Show on the Zimmer Radio Network. It's uh, 10 to 12. John Schneider is uh, in a little bit of hot water. Did you see this, Brian? I did not. Well, apparently Beyonce decided uh, she wanted to make some country music. And uh, they tried to get a, a... her song played on a country station uh, in Oklahoma, and uh, uh, they didn't want to play it. So her fans called and emailed the station uh, and, and literally uh, kept pushing to have Beyonce's uh, country song, Texas Hold'em, on the station. And he was not happy with that. Um, he said that uh, all these other Mainstream artists, pop artists are trying to cross over into country music and uh, likened her to a dog marking its territory. Well, uh, talking about her suddenly uh, doing country music. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the Dukes of Hazard actor trashed uh, the 32-time Grammy winner as he talked uh, about how Beyonce's fans pushed to get one of her new songs... It's called Texas Hold'em, played on a country music station. Um, he, he insulted Beyonce and other pop artists, uh, dabbing uh, with uh, country music. They've got to make their mark, just like a dog in a dog walk park. 
he said, you know, uh, every dog has to mark uh, every tree, right? So that's what's going on here. Shania and the other folks you talk about, what they did was they were in country music and they went out. That's one thing. But people coming into country music, because I know a little something about country music. By the way, he is a musician. Uh, they seem to think that it's easy or it's simple or somehow it's not as sophisticated as the music they sing otherwise. So uh, he's not happy about them uh, crossing over. I was uh, I was not a, a fan of country music. In fact, one of the very first shows that I ho- did here um, uh, on uh, our home station, I, I talked about not being a fan of country music. Uh, and I was not a fan of the old steel twanging guitar yep. songs. They just don't do it for me. Um, but hot country came along, and it was like, Wow, this is the mm-hmm. this is the rock and roll of the '60s. It's, it's pretty good, but apparently um, he I, I think he probably used a pretty bad analogy. I don't I don't see why it's a problem. Pop artists playing uh, country music, a lot of stars cross over. There's some really good country songs if they fit the format of the station. I don't have a problem with it, but sometimes, you know, I can recall many years ago, back in the 80s, it was actually KCMQ that was approached by a national record company, and uh, we were playing Top 40 songs, and they were desperate to get us to add Billy Ray Cyrus' Achy Achy Breaky Heart, Yeah, and we wouldn't play it. It's like, no, that doesn't fit what we're doing here. And, it I mean, the push was on. They needed that record ad so they could get breaker status. And it just wasn't happening here in Columbia, Missouri. But, you know, it just wasn't right for the format. Interestingly, I was in North Carolina. I was living on the Outer Banks. And uh, it was an AC station. And I'm like... I, I know the call letters, but I don't write it. But it was pretty close to where our home station is on the dial, 93-something. And they were playing Achy Breaky Heart. <laughs> and I, I, let me describe the studio. It's right on the main street in Manteo, North Carolina. And it's glass all around. So the people walking by see us working on the air. And, we're, and, and this song comes up in rotation. And some guy called the station and said... If you play that damn song again, I'm going to shoot whoever is in that studio. So we played it again. And they sent me in the studio to do it. I don't know why, but uh, but that song uh, did cross over. Did he ever do anything else other than that? I, I don't mean, believe it, so. Yeah, he, he had some secondary songs, but they just didn't really. Nothing for Top 40, CHR, no. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's some songs that might be able to cross over depending on the market. But, I mean, that one was just, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're not playing that. No, on the Outer Banks, they did. It didn't matter. They played it. Then they, then we got threatened, and then they sent me in to play it again. It's like, thank you very much, guys. <laughs> Boy, was I watching everybody walking by. Uh, but, yeah, Achy Breaky Heart. The only thing he's produced uh, music-wise since then is his daughter. Yeah, pretty much. And she's been a wild one, hadn't she? <laughs> she was, what, Hannah Montana or something yes. for a while? 
<laughs> Cosmo wants me to bump back out of the show with achy breaky heart. <laughs> and unfortunately, I can't at this point because you got your outro music. Yeah, Cosmo, yeah. get the hell out of here. What are you, you're just a troublemaker. Where's well, Scotty? Huh? He's not in here. He just sent me a yeah, message. Yeah, yeah. well, he, he, where's Scotty? We, we need to ask him if, <laughs> if he's playing Beyonce uh, on the country station. All right. Uh, tomorrow, uh, we would normally have Jennifer Bukowski on the program. We do not have Jennifer. She I is... will send her a fine right I right already now. did. I, oh, I, no, I, no, I'm in charge of the fine. No, I thought for a change, I would get to no, collect the no, money. No, no, it doesn't work that way, uh, you, can, you can trust me. I'll send you your I share. I already talked to Jennifer about the way the fine system works. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I, <laughs> I am the boss. I sent her an email and uh, texted to her, and, and so I expect a check any day now. All right. I'll, I'll give you a couple of bucks out of it. Uh-huh. But we uh, we should have uh, Senator uh, Eigel on the program. And he's been getting a lot of coverage lately, so it'll be interesting. Uh, we'll chat with him about uh, some of this. I also want to talk to him about this, um, this shooting in Kansas City. I don't think we really got uh, an opportunity to cover that last time he was on. Uh, and then uh, Senator, uh, then uh, uh, Jay Ashcroft, uh, Secretary of State, is going to be with us. On Wednesday. So we got a full house. Thursday, however, Thursday and Friday. What's going on, Mr. Hansen, on Thursday and Friday? The uh, Radiothon is coming up. We yeah. are going to be on the air for two straight days helping uh, kids from mid-Missouri. And there's not, never a better thing to do in terms of uh, broadcast operation is to reach out and help our community help these kids. Yep, it is, uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, it is what we do best. It's private charity, helping people who are in need. Um, and uh, and so we'll be doing this all day uh, Thursday and Friday. And uh, it'll be like all hands on deck. Uh, and, and if you really want to feel like you're part of the community, donate. I mean, that's what we do. Uh, every year I donate to this. Uh, because it means I, I'm more than just live or work here. It means I'm part of the community. Uh, and it seems uh, doesn't take long before you find somebody in your circle who has needed that facility. Because they don't turn any kids down. Thursday and Friday, we're doing it. Whatever it is in life that you want, go out and get it. Don't wait for the government to drop it in your lap. You make it happen. You seize the day. Carpe diem. Gwen, baby. Honey, I'm coming home.